Hello, everybody. All right. So listen up. We got a really great show for you today. We're going to talk about one of the most iconic places in the country, the New Jersey Shore. And it's famous for TV, movies, boardwalk, music, the views, saltwater taffy. Go down the list of what it's famous for. And then to properly introduce the New Jersey Shore and to talk about it in detail, we really had to bring in the big guns. So we had to bring in Mr. Robert Booth who has lived in the New Jersey Shore, worked in the New Jersey Shore for how long? Um, moved down full-time uh, in 1982, so 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved there full-time, and I've been working down here for 24 years. So Fantastic. Yeah. Well, so, Rob, I didn't give you any type of in- intro. Tell us about yourself. Well, thanks, Greg. Um, so... Basically, born and raised at the Jersey Shore, you know, spent my winters in New York, my summers always on the beach. Um, currently, the team leader of Keller Williams Ocean Living, been in the real estate industry for 24 years now, um, and I've just love every aspect of New Jersey and the beach, yeah. right? You're an expert. I mean, you got a question of the shore. It's true. I mean, you got a question of the shore, you're the guy to ask. I would like to think so. <laughs> and you're charming, too. Thank, oh, thank you. I'll give you 10 bucks after this for that. Uh, thank God I, I need it. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. Exactly. So, so why is the New Jersey Shore such a popular place to vacation and to live? What makes it special? I think it's just, I, I mean, it's such a multitude of factors, right? I think the, the biggest one for me probably is its location. Right. In New Jersey. Right. Especially um, where our ocean living office is in Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, Beautiful office, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's an hour and five minutes from Manhattan, an hour and five minutes from Philadelphia and an hour and five minutes from Atlantic City. Right. So it's probably the most centrally located point in the entire state. Um, and it just makes for a, a fairly easy commute by auto. Um, and it's, you know, a two hour train ride there. You know, there is a train stop that is in Point Pleasant that will take you literally into Madison Square Garden. It's right? fantastic. So, yeah, New York Penn Station. So I think that's the first draw is just the accessibility to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the draws after that are just really the amenities, right? It's sure. unbelievable fishing, right? Some of the, the the New Jersey area of our fishing is some of the best in the world. Right. We're world-class fishing. Um, our weather is amazing. Um even though when it's really cold up in the cities, we're usually a little bit warmer at the shore. Mm-hmm. And then the original draw, which brought everybody in, you know, starting in the 1800s and the early 1900s before air conditioning is, we're always a little bit cooler in the summers as well. Right. So you guys might what? be high 90s in the city areas in New York, Newark, um, and we're a nice breezy low 80s. Mm. Well, so is that the water kind of? That's it. The water it. acts as heat and air conditioning. So. Um, that was a huge draw before AC, that when it got too hot in the cities, people would go book a weekend at one of the hotels at the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. And that was coming out of Philly, and that was coming out of New York City and Newark. Newark was the jewel of uh, New Jersey back in the day. So what, how much do you think the population increases during the summer months? That's really funny. So Point Pleasant Beach is just shy of 5,000 year-round and can swell to over 100,000 on the weekends. I knew we had the right guy. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Under, over 100,000 on the weekend. So anybody who's ever made that trip, down there will know you sit in uh sit in a little bit of traffic getting off the exit 98 you know to cross over that bridge yeah no it's worth it though of course it is. all right so now you've been down there since 1982 
How have you seen it change over that course of time? So there's some interesting changes. When I first moved down, um, it was, uh, there was a a large year round population at the shore. Okay. Um, And then as that population got older and and basically married, it turned into a very seasonal population again, Mm -hmm. where it went from more than half the houses were year round to less than half the houses year round. And now it seems to be uh, still about a 50-50 split. And it, because of COVID, it, it, there's a little bit more year-round people again. People got out of the cities in North Jersey. Um, they knew the shore. Right. So, you know, they're like, listen, why am I going to pay $5,000 a month for, you know, 600 square feet in Manhattan and work from home or for the same amount, I could go live at the Jersey Shore and work sure. from there, you know, and, and get the get the house I always wanted or the house that I, I remember spending time with my family. Um the, the summer rentals are a really big thing at the Jersey Shore, and a lot of those summer rentals dictate the actual township that people end up living in. Um, that makes sense. It, it's it's a, it's a really like, it, it's almost a science. Um, I would have people come down and say, I want a beach house, and I would say, what towns do you want to look at? And they would know them offhand. Lavalette, that would be a big town, or Ortley Beach. Right. And I would always ask, why those two towns? And they're like, well, these are the towns we ended up renting when I was a kid That's great. with my family. So they have those memories, and they look to recreate those memories for themselves and their kids. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. to your point, you know, this started in the late 1800s, early 1900s, got yeah. that huge push to go to the shore. Yeah. I didn't quite know. I'm from the Boston area originally, yeah. so we did Cape Cod. Yeah. And I really didn't understand until I moved down to this area 20 years ago how iconic it really was. I was on a road in the middle of Pennsylvania, and the road forked. To the right was the Jersey Shore. To the left was wherever the heck they were sending you. Yeah. But it has that type of uh, an influence on people because everyone in the tri-state area and into Pennsylvania, they summered here. Yeah, absolutely. Especially an older generation, generation Absol- before ours. Absolutely. So our area, uh, Point Pleasant and North, was really the New York people. And then, you know, south of us was the Philly people. Sure. Right? So they, they were real big for Long Beach Island and, and some of the Barrier Island, um, which is where we start at Point Pleasant Beach and then go down to um, the end of it is basically Seaside uh, Park. So- right. um, that was it. Those are the two major city influences. And then some of Philly did go even further south um, down to Atlantic City area and their beaches down there, Ventnor Beach. Um, but that was it. They, the, the main thing was people breaking the, the hot summers right? Um, and just coming to cool off and then start swimming in the ocean. And um, everybody remembers the, the basically the story of Jaws, right? Yeah. That was up in more of my area. I think in Matawan, right? Abs- well, that's, that's very funny that you said that. So mm-hmm. um, it... it and this is funny because I'm, I'm a crazy history nut myself. Um, there were several shark attacks that week, right, 1916. Yep. Um, they first started in LBI. They made their way up to Spring Lake, the town that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And it was off the Essex and Sussex Hotel that uh, Bruder was his last name. He was attacked by a shark. Um, he did die from his wounds. And then it made it up towards you to the Matawan River where there was right. a couple of kids that were attacked. So that was, uh, there's a book called 12 Days of Terror. Mm. And it, it really tells, you know, the, the exact stories of it. And that's what Peter Benchley based his uh, right. his book Jaws off of. Right. Um, and it's amazing that it's like the Jersey Shore, but it was the same thing. It was the same premise. People came, it was a really hot July. So right. they came to the shore and they wanted to cool off and they wanted to swim. And the ocean was always cooler than the air, so that was a big thing. Now, and they say, say it was, so for everyone out there, it wasn't a great white shark. I think it was a bull shark, because well, they generally swim in more brackish water. So that's water. what they're saying, right? That was They think it was a great white that uh, was off of 
um, LBI and Spring Lake, and mm -hmm. they do think it was a bull shark that was the Matawan River because Matawan River turns a little brackish when it comes in from you know the Sandy Hook area. Yeah. Um, See how exciting we are. I, 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 the fact that I know, I read the book like six times. Right. So here's the funny thing. I was a film major in college. Jaws is my favorite movie. So I did a ton of research on it. I actually worked on my senior thesis. And this is very funny for the Jersey Shore correlation. Um, Have you been to Martha's Vineyard? No. One day. 50th, you got to go. 50th anniversary is coming up. I think I'm going to make that trip. Yeah. That's where Jaws was filmed. For, uh, yeah, for the, for the listeners that don't know, exactly. So, um, so my senior project was basically the financial effect in the summer of 1975 when Jaws was released at the Jersey Shore. Because mm. I remember as a very, very small child when that came out, um, people did not go in the ocean that year. People right. didn't go in the swimming pools that right. year. So I had interviewed a couple of very old um, you know, store owners. Sitteroff's was a like a food stand famous for their hot dogs mm -hmm. on uh, Ocean Avenue in Belmar. And they're like, that was financially one of the worst summers we ever had. Weather-wise, fantastic. Yeah. But people were literally afraid to go to the beach. They were afraid to go in the ocean. So they didn't come. They just hear the music. That's it. Right? <laughs> Amazing, right? Amazing that some movie could have that kind of effect on... It is. It's lives. remarkable. Yep. Yeah. Changed everything. It, it absolutely it changed everything. It literally put some businesses out of business that year. That's crazy. Yeah. So when you look at, I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, yeah. Rob. So October of 2012, 2012, yeah. 2012, Hurricane Sandy hits. Yeah. And I, I don't realize, I mean, we live in the area, so we know it had a huge impact. What, what I didn't realize was that the National Oceanic Scale that measures the size of a uh, the wave that comes in ahead of time, mm -hmm. what, what, the storm surge, Yeah, it was a 5.8 out of 6 That's on their crazy. scale. That's, That's how crazy. significant it was. Yeah. Now, you're on the New, New Jersey shore. Just talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that. See some of the impacts and how long it took to get out of it. That was amazing, right? So that was that quintessential perfect storm that we talk right. about. Um, where a hurricane and a nor'easter and a lunar high tide, right, all hit at once. Mm -hmm. I remember it so well because the year before we had had a hurricane that came through and we really prepared for it and it ended up doing basically nothing. And then Sandy comes along and it just wipes out basically my entire area of where I grew up and where all my business is. Right. Um, you know, I had several homes under contract that actually washed away that night right. that were just, you know, either shells or, or some of them knocked off their foundations. So it was just an amazing event, especially for the end of October. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I stayed in my home. I'm, I was a, a couple blocks off the beach, um, so not really in the flood zone area. Um, but I remember opening up the window and watching trees in my backyard bend in half Going, right. oh, this is not going to be good. You know, this this is definitely not going to be good. And the stories were just anything you can imagine. You know, people who chose not to evacuate having to be taken out in boats sure. as the water, you know, crept up past their first floor in some of them. Um, and no one was really expecting it. Not at no, that level. No, you know, we had just been through a hurricane the year before and it, and it was nothing. Right. So 92 had hit and that was a really bad storm surge, but that wasn't a hurricane. Mm -hmm. That was just basically a bad nor'easter that came and brought a lot of coastal flooding and a lot of homes took water, but nothing like this was expected. Right. Um, again, you know, a perfect storm. It was a hurricane, a nor'easter and a tidal surge all hit at the same time. Mm. So it was crazy. And, you know, what was even more crazy is what it did to the real estate. Sure. Right. So, um, how long do you think it took to recover from everything? I think we're still recovering from it, to mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, you know, one of the important things if you're buying a waterfront home is was that home substantially damaged? 
mm-hmm. from Hurricane Sandy. Did the home take um, more damage than 50% of its assessed value at the time? If that's the case and it ended up on the substantially damaged list, you got to be careful. And what's that impact? Buyer. That's a great point. What's it, the impact? It, it impacts whether or not the home needs to be lifted to FEMA guidelines. Okay. Um, and as a buyer, that can really affect what you can do to the home. If you buy a substantially damaged home, you cannot make any uh, changes to it. The mm-hmm. town is not going to issue any permits until the home has been made FEMA compliant, which is usually lifting it, most towns, two feet above current FEMA guidelines. Okay. So, so it, it's that significant. So they come in and they readjust the floodplains, I would absolutely. imagine. Absolutely. Floodplains have changed several times since okay. Hurricane Sandy right now. They're still working it out. Um, most flood insurance spiked at one point. Um, the nightmares that they were telling us right afterwards is that people should expect to have flood insurance $30,000, $40,000 a year. Mm. Um, they've never really went that high. I mean, I've seen three to 4000 at the very, very highest, but most policies are actually pretty reasonable, right. you know, anywhere from eight hundred to 2000 on the high end. Right. Um, but this is what they thought was going to happen. So they have redrawn the maps, a, you know, a bunch of times. Now, when you look at the redrawing of the map, and if mm-hmm. someone's looking to purchase a substantially damaged property, it has mm-hmm. to be two feet above that? Well, the, the, if, if it's been substantially damaged, it's still on that list, and it's not able to come off the list. Some of them have come off. Um, Until you raise it. That you're going to have to raise it. And most towns will require now that, I know new, new construction, you have to be two feet above what's required because they figure that those maps are going to change again. Wow. So that's why they figured instead of having it what's required, we go two feet above, we'll beat it out. Is know, that and, something that has to be disclosed when someone's listing a home that it was substantially damaged? And, and we'll put it this way. If you're, if you're a seller and you know this, and you don't disclose, you're you're asking for a lawsuit. If you're an agent, if you're a licensed realtor, and you know this and you don't disclose, you're looking at loss of license. Wow. Yeah. So well, you it, can it, see that it's just exactly. It's a so they issue. have to prove that you know it. But I, I'll be. I mean, I'll put this this knowledge out to any buyer's agent. If you are selling a waterfront listing, um, call the township and ask yourself. Call right. the building department; they'll know. Got to do your you due know, diligence. Absolutely, do it yourself. Do it right. for your do it for your buyers. Right. You know, even you know, even if it wasn't disclosed, and you find out, you look like the hero anyway. So when we go we go through the rebuilding process mm-hmm. after Sandy, and well, let me back up for a second. So there are different areas were impacted differently. How did you see that impact real estate values? That's very funny you say that. Um, so what it came down to was elevation, right? right. And elevation goes up and down. Just think about driving on a road. No road is flat, right? You'll be driving on a road. You find yourself going up a hill, down a hill. And you're like, wow, I didn't even notice that. And the Jersey Shore is the same way. So I saw areas affected that one house was absolutely demolished. And the house directly next door to that didn't have a drop of water. Mm -hmm. Because the house directly next door was six feet higher. It sat on a hill six feet higher. My parents' house in Spring Lake at the time, the one they lived in, actually sat on a hill. Mm. And they had pieces of the boardwalk in front of their house and not a drop of water. Their neighbor took a full basement of water, but mm. they sat up six feet higher than it was. So it was just elevation. So ended up what happening is towns like Bayhead and Maniloking, mm-hmm. the higher end towns, they were hit really hard okay. because of their elevation. Towns like Spring Lake and Seagirt took mild damage. And we saw a flux of buyers who would normally go to Bayhead or Maniloking switch over to Spring Lake and Seagirt. That's a that's a great point because when you look at Seagirt in that area, those values have gotten very high over the course of the past Absolutely. 10 years. Absolutely. And it started with Sandy. They used okay. to be even with Bayhead and Maniloking. Um and 
when Bayhan and Manalukin actually dropped a little bit, and a lot of those homes were wiped out completely, they just were dirt they were selling, um, Spring Lake and Seagirt's prices actually rose. And those were probably the only two towns that actually went up after Sandy. Okay. Everybody else had a big freeze in pricing, or I would say a mild to significant price drop, Right. Um, mostly because of uncertainty. So now that you know the market, to your point, it's still recovering, but values as a whole are obviously way up, as, as we know. Yeah. So what have you seen about the type of properties that are in the marketplace? Like, can I show up and buy a two-bedroom bungalow anymore? Um, you're going to be uh, hard-fetched to find one. Okay. Right? So when uh, the insurance money's finally rolled in, it seemed that anybody who had a small two-bedroom home um, took the insurance money, tore it down, and built a big, giant new construction home. Okay. And you'll see that when you're going through any of the towns, Belmar, Spring Lake, Seagirt, uh, Point Pleasant Beach especially, just loaded with new construction. And then when you get down to Barrier Island, even the little towns, Ocean Beach 1 and 2, so many of them are built up now. Um, and the little small homes are just hard to find. So when you were cruising around in 1992 in your convertible, it's a completely different look so that, than today. That, that's funny you say that. I had a 300ZX with T-tops. I know it. So uh, <laughs> almost a convertible at the You're time. You're a beach guy. But at the, yeah, you know, I, I thought it was cool back then. So. Now, did you find when, when things are being rebuilt, is it old money that's rebuilding it or is it new money that's coming into the I area? think it's a little bit of both. Okay. So I think um, a lot of these homes were always, you know, remember my grandparents have a house at the Jersey Shore. That right. was the biggest line everybody went to college with. Oh, you're okay. from that. Oh, my grandparents got a house in Ortley. My grandparents got a house down the beach. Um, so I think there it's generational money sure. in the beginning. And then I think as um, the new money started coming, people realized how awesome the Jersey Shore is. So the, the new money started coming in. Um, I think the new money doesn't like older homes. Okay. And, and I've seen that a lot in my real estate career that, you know, yep. they, they love brand new and turnkey. You find people just coming in, they buy it, knock it down and rebuild. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We see it, we see it going on in Spring Lake, Seagird, Bayhead, Manaloking, you know, the, the, the older home, but think about the older homes. They didn't have central air. Right. Um, you know, some of them had no heat or very limited heat because they were summer homes. Mm. Um, loaded with termites probably, right. you know, you know, a hundred year old building that's not being maintained properly is going to have a lot of problems. We've seen a lot of galvanized piping mm -hmm. for plumbing. So, um, in many instances, it was cheaper to tear down and build new than it was to renovate. Could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you feel that that changes the charm at all of the area? Uh, you know, if you're a purist, absolutely. Okay. You know, if you're used to those big older homes. I mean, I grew up in an, a home that was built in 1888. So um, it's since been torn down. And right. from what I understand, it's going to become a pool house for the neighbor. Um, <laughs> So yes, you know, we grew up on these old homes with yeah. uh, wraparound front porches um, and really cool Victorian architecture. Sure. So, you know, it, it's, the landscape is different, right? Sure. Um, a lot of homes are lifted now. So you see a lot of them up on stilts, has a more of a North Carolina look to it than it's, you know, than the quint quintessential, like older Jersey shorts. Um, you know, I think everybody's tastes kind of change. So I was reading a statistic that 37% of the people that are buying on the Jersey shore are from out of state. I believe it. Yeah. It's no. like some, some crazy number. It's money coming in. To your point, you're coming in from New York. You're coming yeah. in from Philly. It, it's New York. Markets. It's Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we'll get some people. I, I'll get some Connecticut um, every once in a while. And usually that's probably because of family at mm -hmm. some point. And then they move to Connecticut. Most of Connecticut, Connecticut will go more towards where you're from area. Sure. Um, we're up to the Cape. But um, we'll get some Connecticut. Um 
Delaware has beautiful beaches. So every once in a while, we'll get some West Delaware that'll still come to Jersey, but a lot mm -hmm. of them will go to their own beautiful beaches. So do a lot of these um, people just pay cash? <laughs> surprisingly, yes. Um, you know, the, the funny part is um, in this crazy market we'll have, you, especially in these larger purchases, um, they are cash deals to secure the property. And then usually they'll take a mortgage out right. because at the time when rates were so low, Greg, when we were talking, when rates were in the high twos, low threes. How do you not? How, exactly. You know, the, the, these guys are smart, right? They have right. this money for a reason. They'll easily make more money somewhere else than... Uh, Makes then, sense. We'll start to see that change. All. I'm thinking now the rates are, you know, 5%. Absolutely. It's yeah. good for you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, yeah. it's a great point. We'll do more mortgages. Yeah. You know, you know, there was another interesting stat that I read. It's almost like there's two different shores, right? You have that Point Pleasant, Manasquan, Long Branch, Asbury Park, and then you have everything down south. To your point earlier, Rob, it's like Philadelphia versus yep. the New York people. Yeah. What I really found interesting was the percentage of homeownership in those two different areas. So when you get into Point Pleasant, Manasquan, it's like 90% of people own a home there. When you start getting down into Margate in those southern areas, it's closer to 50%. So it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic as to where the money comes from and who's renting, who's owning, who's renting out these properties. You know, all that go, goes into it. So um, I'll use a, uh, you know, a term that can be debated, right? But it's trickle-down economics. Right. Right. So I think the further you get away from the cities, the the less money that's going to be there, the less opportunity that's going to be there. Right. Um, you know, from where we are right at the beginning of Ocean County, we're still, like I said, it's an hour and five minutes into Manhattan. Right. You know, it's it's le it's less than an hour into Newark. Um, mm -hmm. It's less than an hour into Hoboken, Jersey City, you know, huge financial areas, um, huge areas that have high paying jobs. Um the interesting thing now is, you know, now that people are starting to go back to work, they're not going back to work five days a week. So if you only have to go in one or two, who cares if you got to drive an hour and a half? It's right. only one or two. You know what I found interesting about the home buyer in those areas from a mortgage standpoint? If they are taking out a mortgage, the people closer to, to our area, they're taking mortgages, regular mortgages on a property. When you get down into that southern area, LBI, Margate, all of that, they want to... All the purchases they do, they want them in the name of LLCs versus being individually owned. And my understanding is the people with money down in that area, they're more like doctors and people that have liability, right? When you look at some of the people coming from the New York market, they're Wall Street people. And it's a different dynamic as to what lending is more important in particular areas. I get a good friend of mine who does a tremendous amount of business down in, in Margate. Half of the business he does is in the name of an LLC. That's got to be confusing for him, um, number one, right? Because th that, that's one thing I always say to people. If you're going to borrow in an LLC, you better have your ducks in a row. All right. There's not a lot of programs for that. Um, there's many reasons why they do the LLC as, as protection. Um, there's other many reasons why, you know, an accountant may tell you it's not a great idea, um, mm -hmm. especially if you are looking to leave a property to your kids. Right. Because now it's a business that you're leaving to your kids, right? And there's a lot of tax consequences. Look, I'm not a tax expert. Right. I'm a real estate expert. I'm not a tax expert. So don't take what I'm telling you as gospel. Talk to talk to your CPA about it. Right. right? But but that's that's more. the reason exactly that we'll see a lot of different in the LLCs. Um, if you if they are strictly rental properties, sometimes mm -hmm. it's better to have it in an LLC. Right. Um, you know, just for liability. 
um, slips and yeah. falls. You know, you carry those insurance policies anyway, but you never know if you get yeah. sued. People got to um, ask the right questions and do the right thing for what their short and long-term goals are, to your point. Absolutely. You know, bequeathing that property, LLC, isn't necessarily the right thing to do. A- absolutely. And I, I mean, I'd like to consider myself, you know, briefly knowledgeable of that, right? Sure. I can have the the introductory conversation with a buyer or a seller, um, but always look to the expert. Right. Look to the attorney, look to the CPA, you know, look to the um, financial planner. Right. You know, th- those are the people, those are the true experts in it. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And if someone needs a referral, I'm sure you can refer them over to a couple of different people. Absolutely. Different people. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I love about being in the business with Keller Williams is, um, you know, you called me and said, I need a financial planner and accountant. You called me and said, I need a plumber you know, we have the best in the business that we've worked with and have proven relationships. So that's fantastic. So let's get into some of the details about the market right now. Mm -hmm. Let's pick Ocean County. Sure. So I was looking at some different statistics, you know, New Jersey Realtors publishes their statistics. So it looks like the market's up about 14 and a half percent year over year from March of last year to March of this year. The average house is now selling for, I think it's 102.5% over what the asking price is. 102% of asking price, yeah. 102 a little bit over. And then from an inventory standpoint, I was reading it's 1.9%. So, and and that's as a monthly inventory. I think it's probably, I I think that's even a skewed factor to tell you the truth. What do you think it really is? I think it's under, I think it's under one month of inventory right now. And I, and I think the, uh, the back on the markets and maybe the temporary off markets might be skewing that a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, even though the market is definitely changing, right? It's definitely shifting that we we talk about. Um, at the highest point, there was 50 buyers for every house that was listed. Right. I would still say now there's probably 30 plus buyers. Mm-hmm. We're still in bidding wars. Um, there's wow. still, you know, talk ask the agents in certain towns. They, they'll they have an open house and it's still a line around the corner for an open house. Do you see that tapering off down I, in your I market? Think it's, uh, I think it's... It's area specific is the way I would say it's town specific. Um, some towns are starting to to level off a little bit. Some of the super high end is starting to level off. Right. Um, you know, there was a bunch of properties that jumped on over the 10 million mark. And that's wow. a that's a whole different price point for the How many, how many of those did you pick up? Uh, yeah, none. Uh, <laughs> me personally. Um, but I, I do have a couple yeah. in the in the one to two million, you know, price range. Sure. So um, and that seemed to be a really nice sweet spot for, you know, a, a well-qualified buyer. But the uh, the ten million dollar plus was there for a bit, and then that seemed to soften. So okay, um, I think that's the beginning of the shift market. You'll see a softening with the uh, the super high end properties yeah. first, and you see it with the rates coming up. I mean, you oh, and I have had a lot of discussions about it. Yeah. So as interest rates start to increase, and they're going to continue to increase, Federal Reserve meets again on May third, May fourth. They're going to increase the overnight lending rate. Yeah. You're going to see interest rates continue to climb, and that impacts the value of properties longer term. Right, because it impacts the affordability. Absolutely, it all starts with affordability, right? We've had these conversations. Yeah, you, you know, know, we were we were just chatting, Rob and I were ta- chatting the other day about this this very topic. And what I don't think that we're going to see is we're not going to see any type of crash in the real estate market because you hear it from people. Right. You know, people what, talk. What, great. Uh, what's the term? What's the term they're all using? Uh, bubble. Bubble. Exactly. Bubble. And we were talking about the other day. Like I think a bubble, and I think of dot com. Right, where the, yeah, nothing the was com real, bubble, right? right? But it nothing was, it was, was real. Yeah, it was, that was that was a, a, a notion of the internet, yeah. right? Yeah, where you look at a bubble for housing. Well, I mean, bubble implies it's not real. Dot com wasn't real. Housing is. This is a tangible asset that's going to long term increase. And, and I always thought the term bubble is something that can burst as well. Right. Right. Yep. So the market is not going to burst. 
the market is not going to go from, oh my God, this is the, one of the best markets I've ever seen to it's the worst market I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't burst. Will it slow? Will it correct? And that's a term that you use a lot, right? You use a lot of that for the economy. Mm. It's a correction. Right. Um, things can only go so high, so far, so fast. Right. Without being, you know, a, a correction is right behind them always. Right. And I think we'll see more of a stabling out of the marketplace. As we get into the fall, it'll start to stable out a little bit. But I've heard some different people talking about, oh, I'm going to wait on the sidelines until the bubble bursts and I can get a property for less money. And what everyone doesn't realize, when you look at the long-term appreciation of real estate, past 15 years, real estate's only up 3% per year when you average it all out. We just got it all back in the past couple of well, years. Well, that's it, right? Yeah, I got it all in the last two and a half. So, it, exactly. Um, those people that have been waiting for the last two and a half years, they're probably still going to wait for even even more because as rates are going up, affordability is going down. Right. And we talk about this, the, the difference in these payments now. Um, we talk about the difference in a 1% rate hike. Right. And that's anywhere from 50 to 80,000 of, of affordability for a buyer, right. you know, depending on your credit. We were looking at some math the other day on a $700,000 mortgage with a 2% difference in interest rate. The difference in payment was $900 a month. That's crazy. Right. You know, I mean, so you sit on the sidelines, oh, I don't know if that makes any sense. As interest rates continue to go up, depending on how much you're looking to borrow, your monthly payment goes up. And even if you technic quote unquote, you overpay by twenty, thirty thousand, think about that different in payment difference in payment if you hold out. Yeah. It's it's negligible, right? I mean it's yeah. it's it's not even there. Don't you know, don't wait. I mean, we we have this conversation. When is the best time to buy? Now. Yeah, right. It was yesterday. Yeah. But today's better than tomorrow. Right. So and what's the interest rate, Rob, on renting? <laughs> that's, my, that's my big joke that is. So when you rent, your interest rate is 100%, right? Every single dollar that you pay towards your rent goes straight to the landlord and not a dollar of it right. goes into equity in your pocket. You're paying somebody's so, mortgage. That's right. The landlord. It's 100% you know, interest to, to rent. So big difference between 100% and 5%, right? Okay, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. So Rob, let's go to a quick break and we'll pick back up where we left off, talk a little bit more about the local marketplace. You got it. Sounds good. Sounds good, Rob. All right. Thanks. So I want to thank our sponsor today, Justin Heward Studios. Justin Heward Studios specializes in weddings, engagements, special occasions, and also does freelance work from a business standpoint. I had Justin do work for me about a year ago, shooting a 15-part video series, did a tremendous job. Again, it's Justin Heward Studios, and you can visit him at justinheward.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-H-U-A-R-D.com. Please reach out to him for any of the events that you have where you need a videographer or a photographer. So welcome back, everybody. You know, Rob, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Airbnb and the impact on the marketplace on the Jersey Shore. I mean, 20 years ago, there's no such thing as Airbnb. Right. You know, the, the, the new thing that comes to town, right? The uh, first it was Uber, then it was Airbnb. And um, it has a lot of advantages and disadvantages. Right. Um, and a lot of towns are starting to see that um, at the Jersey Shore, when you wanted to rent a property, um, one week usually usually was the minimum, right? Seven days. Right. Um, then all of a sudden, the weekend rentals started popping up, and they were expensive, and they were a really great money maker for landlords. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens when you have a different party every three days in a house? Right. Right. The neighbors I the neighbors start to notice. Yeah, and you figure yeah. for Airbnb, right? You're 
the value's higher. So if I'm Airbnb a property, you're going to pay a premium as compared to, say, you're trying to rent to somebody every month. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, double to triple probably what you would normally pay just for the weekend. Right. Um, so that was one of the initial things. It was almost impossible to get a weekend in a home mm -hmm. at the Jersey Shore. Um, you, if you wanted just a weekend, you had to go to a hotel. So wow. most homes, they, they started full summer only, monthly only. Then they started begrudgingly doing two weeks. And then they went to the weekly. Um, and then there's whole areas that they were based off of the weekly rental. Right. Um, most of the barrier island, it was pretty pretty funny when when checkout day would come, right? Saturday check-in at 2, sun, uh, Saturday, next Saturday checkout at 11. Um, they would stand out in front on the boulevard with cans collecting all the people's keys as they were checking out, right? They didn't even have to go into the into the rental uh, office. They would just basically pull up and hand somebody their keys. Right. Um, that was the big thing. And then all of a sudden, right, Airbnb shows up. And mm -hmm. now it's easy to rent your home for just the weekend or just even one night. Right. Right? Fulfilling a need that was never there. Mm. Um, and that just increases cost. It, absolutely. I mean, it, but the problem was people are paying it. People right. pay it everywhere. Right. Um, the hotels started feeling it, you know, first of all, mm -hmm. right? Because the, the hotels were the only ones doing short-term stays. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden the homes start doing short-term stays. So what does the hotel have to do? Lower the prices, right? right. In order to compete. Um, and then Airbnb started being, you know, they were cool, right? That's a, it, it's a, almost, a, I don't want to keep going back to generationals, right? It's almost a millennial thing. Yeah. You could book it on your cell phone. Yeah. You could show up. You don't have to rent a, a, a you know a crummy old beach motel. You could go to a nice home, right? Um, and that might have had amenities mm -hmm. that the hotel doesn't have, right? Yeah, you know, you bring up a great point where it is kind of perceived as being cool. Yeah. I can do it myself. I Absolutely. can make it happen. Hit the button and it's Absolutely. done. Absolutely. Uh, so, how's that impact real estate values? Um, it has a multitude of them. As an investor, uh, you know, I think it's a great thing, right? So we have have homes that if they were rented annually would turn, you know, a certain dollar amount of year. But then if you rented them by Airbnb, you could make triple, triple that monthly rent right. in two to three weeks. Mm. Um, so it actually drove prices up on a lot of investment properties. Mm -hmm. um, and then it had some other effects, not so great in some towns, um, which really limited the amount of rentals available for people who live there year round. Sure. So it impacts people, the local residents. It does. Negative it, impact. It, it really it does. the cost, right? Absolutely. And because of that, and because of the complaints from neighbors from the high turnover rates, right. um, you're seeing a lot of towns that are regulating short-term mm. rentals or specifically Airbnbs. Mm. Um, Asbury Park, for one, is one of them. Okay. So Asbury Park is pretty good litmus test for all of the cities around um, because it is a city by the sea, right? It, it, and it has all multitudes of income levels that live in Asbury Park. Mm -hmm. um, and Asbury Park passed the law. Um, the minimum uh, rental term is 30 days in Asbury Park. Right. So mm -hmm. if you want a summer rental, 30 days is the minimum. Aha, but they do have Airbnbs, but there's a giant caveat with the Airbnb. You can, a you can Airbnb for less than 30 days, your primary residence only. Okay. So let's say that, you know, you and your lovely bride live in Asbury Park. That's your permanent home. You guys are going away for a month or so. You can Airbnb your house that way. Okay. But if you own an investment property in, in Asbury, 30-day minimum rental. How do you feel about that? 
I think it has pluses and minuses. Okay. Uh, you know, as a, as a real estate agent, I think it limits a lot of investors. Mm-hmm. Um, as a person that has to live somewhere, I understand what that does as well. Um, it lowers the, um, the more Air, Bear, Airbnb, sorry, I'm choking here. The more Airbnbs, the higher the rent goes mm-hmm. for the annual rentals, right? right? Because why, as a landlord, am I going to rent my house for 2000 a month? When my neighbors Airbnb being it and making six thousand a month, right? So it the only way I'm going to get that annual rental is I'm going to have to probably offer twenty seven to three thousand right. and just find some guy that doesn't want to have to deal with constant turnover. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what it does. It ends up pricing most of the um, residents out of the mm-hmm. town. Do you think it's a fad? You think it'll go away when the economy shifts? Because it really exploded as the economy started to get better. Well, I'll ask you this: Is Uber a fad? Great point. No, that's not going away. No. You know, I mean, so the Uber was great because it, it was an easy way. Cabs were unreliable, right? Right. Remember, I'm going to call a cab and wait for them to come get me up, right? mm-hmm. and, and, or I'm going to try to find a cab. Um, so all of a sudden, we get this app on our phone that we push a button, and 10 minutes, there's a guy there to pick you up. Right. And it's fairly safe. And, um, and if you remember during COVID, the prices jumped, right? Because people didn't want to drive. Um, and those are the real rates that, you know, Uber wasn't making a profit in the beginning. Right. So they were really cheap and then the prices climbed and guess what? They're never going back. Right. So I live a mile from Jenks, right? Yep. Jenks boardwalk one mile away. Um, on a busy Saturday night, it'll cost me $30 in an Uber to get home. Makes sense. I'll supply $30 to go a mile supply and demand. Right. You know what? Uh, heel toe express it. Right. Or grab a cab and it's a, it's a $7 cab ride. Right. If well, a cab's be, there, if a cab ever shows up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're correlating it back to Airbnb supply and demand. Same thing. It's right? the same thing. It's so, the exact same thing. The Ubers are not going away. The Airbnbs are not going away. Mm-hmm. How easy is it to push a button on your phone and book a rental property? So why wouldn't you buy more investment properties? Uh, because the towns are limiting them mm. in my book. Okay. Because you may own something now that's turning a great profit. And then with uh, a couple of votes from a town council mm-hmm. and boom, what you were originally profiting on, what you originally borrowed money on, right? Right, because you you could borrow at this rate, and you could borrow X amount of dollars because I have this amount coming in. Sure, goes away. Do now, you think people get grandfathered in, or no? It'll just be a change. Uh, Point Pleasant Beach tried uh, this. They've passed some right. laws, and um, they have sort of a grandfathering. If you're if you're a beach resident, right, you don't fall under their new laws that they passed. But okay. that's kind of discrimination, don't you think? A little bit. It's Asbury's a different thing. Asbury is if you if it's your primary residence. Point Beach just says, well, if you are a local resident. Right. So if I live in Point Beach and I own 15 homes in Point Beach, I, I don't fall under any of their rental laws. Right. But if I live in New York and I own 15 homes, I do. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that smells like a lawsuit to me. Sure. Yeah, no, and it will idea. be. You know, it will be a lawsuit. You know, you bring so. up an interesting thing with local politics. I've always been fascinated by the shore and how they've been able to somewhat keep that charming thing going on in the area. There's a lot of mom and pop operations. Like they keep the big, big block stores out of there. How do they do that? Well, the, 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 so the people that live there are the people that get on the planning boards, right? right. They're the residences. Um, I mean, even Wawa has to adjust their look for being on the Jersey Shore versus different parts of the state. I'm, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it it's, it's, it I'm not going to say a bad thing, right? It is yeah. charm. You know, it's, um, I, I'm sure with a, a, a different planning board, 
in some towns that would yeah. all change. They would all go out right. the, the door. Um, right. You know, some people think it's not progress, right, to keep certain looks and that. But, sure. you know, go on the nostalgia, right? This is, It's the Jersey Shore that you remember, right? And right. I can tell you from being here for 40 years, nothing looks the same. Right. Nothing looks the same. I mean, Sandy was a huge factor, like we talked about in the first sure. segment. Um, but just the, the entire landscape changes. Right. Um, going any of the little shore towns. Right. Um, those towns are really, it's really hard for those businesses to stay in business, a mom and pop business, right? Right. Um, yeah, you're going to make money three months out of the year. What do you do the other nine? Mm-hmm. You know, you basically, yeah, that's true. You know, it's it. So, you know, when, and rents escalated, right? So, real estate related, the prices of buildings went up. You know, buildings right. that you used to be able to buy for 400000 that had a couple re- storefronts and then a couple of apartments upstairs, you know, are now in the millions. Right. So how are you going to make any money charging 1400 a month rent right. for a storefront, right? And that what you and I talked, which is basically um, not even $12 a foot, mm-hmm. um, you can't. You're, you're not going to be able to make any rent roll on that. There's no value in that. So you got to try to charge extra. Right. Well, who can afford to pay extra? Right. Big Who box, big yeah. box stores, That's chains, right. Good point. right? I mean, it's, um, and then a lot of the towns passed laws, which I do agree with. Um, the first floor, right? The 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 storefront level um, are for retail only, mm-hmm. because you know, go uptown in Spring Lake, and there there's 17 realtors in Spring Lake. <laughs> there's a lot, right? There is. I mean, yeah. as realtors row, there's 17 realtors in Spring Lake. Um, that's less shopping for somebody to come into town, right? Sure. They want the towns retail. They want people to come in. The problem is, can the mom and pops stay open year round? Can they make enough money to carry them through the cold winter months well, it's tough. and paying I mean, the high yeah, rents? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, it's a great point. I mean, when you look at the summer months are great to your point and point, it's 5,000 people year to, round to a hundred thousand. I mean, that's a significant difference. So I'm booming. My mother had a, uh, a store uptown in Spring Lake and uh, Christmas and the summer is where all the money is made. Right. You know, so three months and basically one month, right? The month of November. Right. For Christmas, or well, the end of November, all of December was Christmas shopping. Basically, there was no money coming in the rest of the year. Right. So hopefully, you kill it during those months, and then you go down to Key West. Um, that's an <laughs> ideal life plan, right? You know, I mean, yeah. You know, I look back at my life. I, I might have done some things differently. <laughs> we, you know, yeah, we all. You know, work really hard and then go take yeah. the rest of the year off. I lo- I use the expression. I must have been sick that day from school. I didn't learn that. <laughs> no, the school didn't teach a lot of things that we uh, that they no, should have. True, it's right? true. So to shift in gears on it, and I'm not trying to be political about this, but when you look at you've been down there since 1982, have you seen any impacts at all with climate change in the area, or not at all? Well, I think um, you could argue that. Sandy might have been yeah. a climate change event. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can tell you the biggest one that I've noticed, and it's not political, I mean, at this point, is um, we we don't warm up now until basically Memorial Weekend. It's like mm-hmm. we don't have a real warm spring anymore. Right. And then we stay warm now through Thanksgiving. Right. Um, you know, it's called Indian Summer, Right. And um, September is the local secret, right? All the locals will hate me for for broadcasting this, but September is really the best month on the Jersey Shore. Right. Um, The traffic is less. The water is warm. The temperatures are perfect. The sun's out. Um, As soon as the kids go back to school, it's time to get Exactly, right? I mean, those are the the weekends to take off. You know, those are the days to play hooky and and go enjoy yourself on the beach. Um, But now it does not get cold until December. Right. 
And so that to me is definitely global warming that our seasons have shifted. Um, it, it, it takes a little while to warm up in the spring, mm-hmm. but it continues that warmth into the winter. So it's, same season, just a shifted time frame. Absolutely. It. It's about a one month difference now. Mm. So, um, you know, I kind of like it in some ways. I love the fall. Right. The falls are really warm. I mean, I'll share a personal experience. I hunt and fish and hunting season starts the first week of November. And I had to buy a whole new hunting wardrobe because the clothes that I had for the first week of November were too warm. Huh. Okay. So, yeah. Well, remember, it's the Garden State for a reason, right? There's That's gorgeous beautiful. farmland. Yeah. You know, get get 15 minutes away from the beach, and it's just beautiful farmland. Um, but that is a true climate change. There, I, sure. I had to redo my entire wardrobe because it was just too warm for November. Hmm. And this year, it was warm up until uh, Christmas. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we got we got cold right after Christmas. So yeah, the only time it's really gotten cold was October after Sandy snowed. You remember that? I do. Yeah. The, I believe do. it or not, that snow did more damage to my properties than the storm did. Huh. Yeah. The, so the, there were still a lot of leaves on the trees at that time. The, the, Makes the, sense. The limbs of the trees couldn't handle all the snow. Right. And uh, I lost more trees from the snowstorm that followed Sandy than mm-hmm. from the hurricane that blew through the yard. Wow. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was, was tough, tough times. No one had any power. It was rough. It was rough. I was out for almost two weeks. Um, oh. oh, no. It was nuts. Had that gone on another week, you know, I think, you know, fists were going to start flying. Yeah. Well, they say that, you know, anarchy is like eight meals away or something like yeah, that. It, 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 they're true, you yeah. know, and, and uh, listen, we were nervous. You know, I had a I had a house and I had propane and I had food and, mm-hmm. you know, we were okay. And then I had a generator, so we were more than okay. And I had hot water. Um, but we were nervous about other people who didn't have that. Right. So, I mean, through Sandy, I, we spent most of our days helping others. Right. Right. My, my dad was in construction. My brother was in construction. I, I had a construction background. Um, you know, we went with, with generators and, and pumps and garbage pumps, and we pumped out people's basements, and we'd pump them out, and they'd fill back up as soon as we were done because yeah. the water table was so high. Um, and we cleaned out homes that had all flooded furniture, um, and I did that for weeks right. um, before normalcy really set in. Um, and you know, I, I got to tell you, I went to 10 homes that I had sold them and they were standing there on the front lawn. And, and I, I mean, I cried, yeah. you know, that, that, that was the, I had sold Sad. them this property and now this property was in, in shambles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost felt like it was my responsibility right. that that had happened, you know, and, um, one of them had closed about three weeks before the storm. Oh. And I remember the conversation and it was, um, did this house ever take water before? And I was like, according to the sellers, no. And they went out and talked to the neighbors and they're like, no, never a drop. We're in a great area. Mm. And three weeks later, they had four feet of water in their house. Oh, so hard. Yeah. So hard. Going back to uh, climate change on everything. Do you find that the the seasons change? You, has the fishing season changed? So I know the fishing's great. You'd mentioned that. Uh, the fishing is uh, very, very much coincides with uh, temperatures. Okay. So temperature of the water, temperature of the air, um, the jet streams moving up and down the coast. Stripers are in right now. So if mm-hmm. you're a striper fisherman, this is it. This is your time. Get out there. From what I understand, the blues are in right now too. So that's great fishing. You can do right off the beach, right off the jetties. Um, but every year, the tuna fishing and the mako and the, and the uh, you know the, the fish that come up from the south from warmer waters really has to do, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason. Usually it's 
end of June, early July. Sometimes it's a little bit later. So sure. um, it's got a lot to do with too, like that that water jet stream. It is comes right? Up, right. Yeah, it's it's the uh, the Gulf Streams. There you go. Then, Gulf, yeah. yeah, it's the Gulf Stream. So the water that so that warm blue water comes up from the south. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just as soon as it hits us. Sometimes it's early. Sometimes it's late. It it comes every year. Right. Um, but that has a lot to do with the fishing. Um, you know, whether the bluefin or the yellowfin tuna come in, you know, early or late. So I'm thinking anybody that needs to know anything about the shore, looking for a house in the shore, looking to talk about things going on on the shore, you're the guy to talk to. Uh, I would love that. I would love that uh, endorsement, right? Would you be comfortable giving your phone number? Sure, absolutely. What's your phone number? You can reach me 732-890-4085. Fantastic. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time today. It was great having you here. You got it. Great. Great being here. Loved it. All right. We got to do it again. Let me know. All right. All right. And everybody out there, thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. I want to give thanks to, of course, our guest, Rob Booth, today. Thanks for coming. All right. Look forward to catching up with everyone next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.